You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Metro Vancouver is set to shatter an all time record we really want no part of. The most expensive fuel ever recorded in North America. As Aaron MacArthur reports, that dubious distinction is set to hit our gas pumps later this week. Paying at the pump, leaving a big dent on the credit card. And expect that pain to get worse as this week drags on. Gasoline will be 239.9 on Thursday, and that will smash an all-time record for any city in North America. Despite crude prices falling and gas prices following across the country, Vancouver prices have detached from the national trend. And that is just the western seaboard. The supply is so tight that prices haven't been able to come down to relax the same way they have across, the, across Canada. On Wednesday, according to GasWizard.com, the predicted price at the pump in Metro Vancouver will be $2.35 a litre, which means a 50-litre fill-up will cost you $117.50. Compare that to Calgary, where 50 litres is $72, or Toronto, where the price to fill up will be $43 cheaper than in Vancouver. We have the highest gas taxes, not just in Canada, but across North America. Taxes make up more than a third of the price of gasoline in Metro Vancouver, based on $2 a litre. Adding in the carbon tax, low carbon fuel standard, TransLink tax, provincial and federal taxes, the total tax paid per litre is 75 cents. While other provinces have reduced fuel taxes, the B.C. government says ICBC rebate checks and other cost of living measures are a more effective way to combat inflation. We understand uh, and that uh, prices and inflation are squeezing working families in British Columbia and uh, we are responding. While Thursday will see new record highs, expect prices to slowly come down as maintenance work is completed on refineries on the west coast of North America. But any price reductions will be temporary. Supply shortages are being forecast well into 2023. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. It has been a deadly day on Metro Vancouver roads. There have been a number of serious and fatal crashes, including downtown Vancouver. That's where we find our Grace Key tonight. Grace, a tragedy involving a pedestrian and a charter bus. Yeah, the collision happened just behind me here by the intersection. As you can see, traffic is now back open, heading towards Lionsgate Bridge there. It was shut down for about three and a half hours while police were gathering evidence. So the collision happened at about 1230 this afternoon. No name or age has been released on the victim. According to police, the charter bus was heading north down Cadero Street and was turning left heading to Lionsgate Bridge when it struck the woman as she was crossing the street. Now it's unclear what direction she was coming from. Passengers were on the bus at the time. No one was injured. Some witnesses we spoke with described the scene right after the impact. We saw her lying down there on the pavement and we saw the bus driver just looking really regretful. You know, he knew something had happened. He was screaming, oh my God, oh my God, you know, with his hands over his head, right? And just absolutely terrible situation. I just said it was absolutely the most horrific thing you've seen in your life. To see somebody in that manner, it's, it's beyond shocking. It's something that just doesn't leave you. Obviously, Grace, Georgia Street through downtown uh, is busy all the way, but that intersection in particular seems to uh, be of concern to people who live in the area. What, what did they say today? 
Yeah, all day neighbors have been coming up to us and telling us just how bad it is here. I don't know if you heard a few seconds ago that loud noise. It was a motorcycle that was just whizzing by here on, on Georgia. But yeah, lots of traffic coming from all different directions. A lot of pedestrians uh, using this intersection as well. There's a bus stop around the corner. So uh, very busy and a lot of neighbors are concerned about this. I also wanted to mention that we did hear from the president of Charter Bus Lines and they say they are deeply saddened, of course, by what has uh, unfolded here and their thoughts and support are going to be with the victim, the victim's family, and of course, anyone who is impacted by this. Sophie. All right. Thanks for that. Grace Key reporting along Georgia Street tonight. Not the only tragedy on our roads. A motorcyclist has died after a crash on the Sea to Sky Highway in Lions Bay. It happened just after 11 o'clock this morning. Police say they are looking for a white Honda with rear end damage and missing part of its bumper. Anyone who sees the vehicle is asked to call RCMP and to not approach the car. Footage from Global One above the scene shows part of a bumper on the side of the road as well as the crashed motorcycle. It is too early to tell because the investigation is ongoing. What I can see was that the traffic north on Highway 99 was disrupted for a while. We had shut the highway down. Traffic is now flowing on the highway after police diverted northbound traffic into one of the southbound lanes. And Delta police are investigating a fatal collision involving a 60-year-old male pedestrian early this morning. It happened at 80th Avenue and 112th Street just after 6.30. The pedestrian was taken to Royal Columbian Hospital in serious condition but later died of his injuries. Police say the driver initially left the scene but is now cooperating with investigators. Delta police and major crimes are looking into the incident and are asking any witnesses to come forward. Abbotsford police are releasing video of a hit and run that sent a 21-year-old woman to hospital. First, a warning. The images might be disturbing for some people. The video shows the pedestrian walking along George Ferguson Way at Nelson Place just before 5 a.m. last Tuesday. A vehicle approaching in the opposite direction goes up onto the sidewalk and strikes her and then speeds away. Police are now looking for the driver of that dark-colored sedan. Amazingly, the woman survived. She did require some hospitalization. But she was released um, pretty quickly uh, that later on that afternoon. Um, her injuries are not life-threatening. Uh, she did suffer some injuries. She's still uh, on the mend from those. Um, but uh, remarkably, uh, no uh, serious injuries to her. Abbotsford police are looking for any witnesses or dash cam video from the area last Tuesday morning. A heartbroken Fraser Valley couple is renewing their plea for information on their missing daughter. They have returned to the spot where she was last seen, hoping it'll trigger a memory in someone who can help solve the mystery. Jasmine Bala has the story. This is the last place Christina Ward was seen five years ago, heading south on 144th Street near 104th Avenue in Surrey before she went missing without a trace. Abby, birthday. Christmas and just uh, the unknown like you keep on searching where are you Christina we don't know where to look exactly for her you know and uh, it's just the unknown and no closure. Dozens of loved ones and officers walking on the anniversary of Ward's disappearance near where she was last seen in a renewed plea for information. Each year it gets harder and harder and We've, we've been searching, we get tips, but not enough tips to um, say for where she's really at. 
Christina Ward was reported missing on September 27, 2017. Langley RCMP released this video at the time, showing Ward walking with an unknown man with a bike. In the video, Ward crosses the street at 104th Avenue and 142nd Street between 7.50 p.m. and 8.45 p.m. Since then, the family says they've received plenty of tips, but no luck. Now the family is hoping this walk will lead to new tips that will bring her home to meet her niece, who was named after her. Oh, um, actually, we use her little handprints to make it. <laughs> Come home, Christina. Yeah. Come home. Yeah. We miss you. We love you. Five years later, a desperate plea from a family still searching for answers. Jasmine Bala, Global News. Facebook Marketplace has evolved into the go-to virtual garage sale, but you might find a lot more than a bargain on there. Why police are warning users to be cautious. Next on the News Hour. I think most people think I'm crazy. <laughs> a BC man and his passion for James Bond. His perfect reproduction of the British spy's iconic car coming up. Plus, pickleball intrigue. Why vandals targeted brand new courts coming up as well. Right now, though, a warning tonight from Vancouver Police. If you are selling or trading goods over platforms like Facebook Marketplace following a series of violent robberies. As Catherine Urquhart reports, criminals are becoming even more brazen even when victims take precautions to stay safe. Facebook Marketplace is a popular site for selling and buying merchandise. But in recent days, three users have been victimized and Vancouver police have issued an urgent warning. There's been a, a level of violence that we, ha that we have not typically seen in this. And because of that level of violence, we're extremely concerned uh, for people's safety. On Saturday, a 21-year-old attempted to sell a used phone. But after meeting up with two men in the Champlain Heights area, they robbed him, hit him with a weapon and bear sprayed him. Sunday afternoon, in the same neighborhood, another person attempted to sell two used phones. Shortly after meeting, someone grabbed the phones and ran away. And on Monday, a man trying to sell a designer watch was robbed at gunpoint after agreeing to meet at a coffee shop in Carisdale. The fact that we now have a gun uh, involved uh, is incredibly concerning for us. We need people to know that this is happening and to take extra precautions. In May, Port Moody police warned about a brazen daytime robbery also involving a Facebook marketplace transaction. One man was pepper sprayed. I got in my ear, took a big whiff of it, and it just stunned the hell out of me. And I kind of, you know, went backwards and as they took off the other way. Definitely we're looking for, you know, looking at the, investigating the offense of robbery at this point, um, which is a very serious offense and can carry jail time. Vancouver police are encouraging sellers to arrange meetings outside VPD headquarters at 2120 Canby Street, noting the area is well lit and has cameras. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. Kelowna RCMP are looking for witnesses to an attempted carjacking in a parking lot on the 200 block of Rutland Road South. They were approached by a woman who uh, tried to forcefully take the vehicle away from them. The incident happened yesterday afternoon. The suspect assaulted a 79-year-old mother and her two adult children while attempting to carjack their vehicle. After two failed attempts, though, the female suspect ran away. RCMP found her inside a business down the street. They say she is known to them and suffers from mental health issues.
Clone RCMP, we've said this many, many times, is we, we're not going to arrest ourselves out of this situation. We have a lot of people that are, that are struggling with both substance abuse and mental health issues, and th they need more support. So again, this is a prime example of somebody who, who's not receiving the supports that they need and are acting out, and police are being called. The suspect is being charged with robbery, assault with a weapon, and uttering threats. Just ahead, same party, different name. We're under no illusions about this being uh, a small undertaking. It's a big undertaking. The plan to drop BC Liberals for something else, what they'd like to become instead. You just take sure to be careful. And the promo video Ryan Reynolds just dropped that has the Marvel Universe buzzing. Delays in New Westminster this evening for a stalled semi southbound on Brunette just before Braid in the left lane. Traffic is back right over Highway 1. Through a charitable partnership between Kermac Cares for Kids and Surrey Memorial Hospital, when you choose Kermac Collision and Autoglass, you also support the Surrey Memorial Children's Health Centre. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One Hype of a Stalled Semi in New Westminster. consumers having issues with scammers, price gougers, corner cutters, con artists, or big business bullies. Help is here. Andrewa investigates consumer matters on Global News. Well, the B.C. Liberals' days might be numbered. After a province-wide consultation process, the party is kicking around a new name. The top choice is B.C. United. As Richard Zussman reports, members will vote to decide if they want to adopt the new name or stay the same. It's a pitch to voters. Get rid of the old B.C. Liberal name and sub in B.C. United. We're under no illusions about this being uh, a small undertaking. It's a big undertaking. The party has been grappling with a change for years. Leader Kevin Falcon campaigning on switching to a name that was neither liberal nor conservative. Now the membership must vote by the end of the year on the switch. The fact that we are a party that is way more than a single federal affiliation, it's way more than a single part of the province, it's way more more than a single, you know, ethnicity or culture or something like that. What we're really trying to express is unity. If the membership approves the change, the party is keeping timing flexible, meaning even if BC United is chosen before the next election, the name could stay as BC Liberal at the polls. It's really difficult to rebrand a legacy party. People have grown accustomed uh, to uh, the party. Uh, they were very successful under Gordon Campbell and Christy Clark. People are, are their voters are used to that. Um, and now they are going to have to learn a, a new name. BC Liberal members were asked to submit ideas and BC United came out way in front. But for many, this name is less political and more something else. It made me think of a football club. Soccer, football. It, they just want to rebrand themselves and it just better be the same old, same old. The BC Liberals limited in their options. The BC Party and BC First were popular, but not allowed by Elections BC because they were recently used. And one BC was considered and ruled out, leaving BC United standing alone. As much as I appreciate they want to try to rebrand themselves and make themselves something else, their record, Kevin Falcon's record, is there and people know it. Whether the name change is a big winner or an own goal will ultimately be up to the voters. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. 
Wasn't expecting that header from Zussman, but he did a pretty good job. Now all we need is a bicycle kick from Keith Baldry, who joins us now for a look at the bigger political picture. Uh, Keith, don't worry, I'm not holding my breath. <laughs> uh, let's talk about the yeah. Let's talk about the federal conservatives for a moment, mm -hmm. who are making some big gains. Uh, call it the Polyev effect, if you want. Where is this new party leader getting his support? Yeah, very interesting. So the liberal brand potentially changing here in B.C., but also taking a hit across the country and in this province. Here's the latest Angus Reid poll showing a considerable surge in support for the Conservatives, 37 percent up to uh, since a couple months ago. The Liberals, though, are down five points to 30 percent. The NDP holding firm in third place at 20. Not much changing the others, but the PPC number down at the bottom there, the People's Party, that at one point was tracking at seven or eight points. And it seems that the, a chunk of that PPC support, like what they hear from Pierre Poliev, who ran a fairly right-wing campaign to claim the Conservative leadership. And as a result, after years of being in a deadlock with the Liberals, the Conservatives even winning the popular vote in the last election, uh, not translating to greater seats. Good news for the Conservatives as well, Chris. They're up over the Liberals in both Ontario and B.C. That's critical to forming government uh, in uh, Canada. The Liberals are still ahead in Quebec. About the only positive out of today's poll for the ruling Liberals is that Justin Trudeau's approval rating is slightly higher than Pierre Poliev. He's at 40 percent, Poliev at 35. And when it comes to descriptions from voters, the number one word that describes both of them over any other is arrogance. And that's something both of them are going to have to work on as we approach the next election. That is a problem. All right. Thanks very much, Keith. The Prince George Spruce Kings will recognize National Truth and Reconciliation Day on Friday with a new jersey. The BC Hockey League team is partnering with a Clay Clay Tenet to reflect on the tragedies Indigenous people experienced at residential schools. Indigenous artist Clayton Gauthier designed the special jersey. The game will feature Indigenous dancers, drummers and dignitaries. Fans of the game will also get an orange shirt meant to symbolize support for residential school survivors and their families. Good looking jersey. All right, just ahead, the potentially deadly backlog in health care. Because of these delays, a lot of conditions, including cancer, are presenting later. Hundreds of thousands waiting for diagnostic imaging and what specialists want the province to do about it. And players in a pickle after vandals hit their brand new courts next. Good evening from the Delta side of the Massey Tunnel, where northbound traffic is still quite busy. They left counterflow in for southbound traffic a little late this evening, so it is still a little bit backed up. At BCAA, we are over 1 million members strong and moving you forward through the power of membership. Join the movement today at bcaa.com. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One at the Massey Tunnel. Well, pickleball is quickly growing in popularity, but in South Surrey, it seems not everyone is a fan. Vandals have targeted new pickleball courts just days after they opened to the public, and players think they know why. Amadagahi reports. In a large field at South Surrey's Crescent Park, hidden among the trees, lies the new home for a large community of avid pickleballers. And underneath the constant pinging of rackets and balls, the murmuring surrounds a real whodunit. There's certain people who don't like pickleball. The underlying thing is people don't like noise. Somebody that wasn't happy with the courts being here. Yeah. 
Some time after the last player went home on the night of September 17th, police say the newly opened state-of-the-art pickleball courts were vandalized. Somebody burned this one so you can see it's kind of jagged on some of the corners and they also cut a hole in the fence. And while police don't have a motive yet, the pickleball community has its theory. We know it wasn't kids. It wasn't damage to do that. They, they, they sent a message they didn't want us here. It's just a silly waste of time. The sport by now should be familiar. It took off during the pandemic. You don't have to move as much as you would in tennis. Everybody can play and pick it up in a very short time. It's not just physical, right? It's a mental ga game too. So for me, it's like playing chess. More recently, it has become controversial after complaints of its players taking up tennis court space and making too much noise. The city of Surrey has built these courts away from residential areas, but it's unclear why controversy may have followed. If somebody's intentionally going out there and vandalizing these courts, uh, we are going to take it seriously. Oh, I hope it's the end of it. You know, if they made a point, well, they made it, I guess. What's your message back? Um, we're going to stay here because it's the biggest growing sport in the world. In Matagahi, Global News. Well, Vancouver police say it's not too late for people involved in the PNE riot to turn themselves in. Investigators are sifting through dozens of videos they received following the riot on September 18th. Some of them were posted to social media. Some have been submitted directly to police and still more have been pulled from CCTV. Police say they have already identified some of the people involved, but they want to build an airtight case before bringing charges. We want to have very solid cases, so we'll engage with Crown Council, we'll build very solid cases, ultimately with the goal, like in 2011 with the riot, to obtain guilty pleas. There might in, be some nervous people out there. I would imagine there are some nervous people out there. A lot of people who committed acts of violence, uh, acts of uh, vandalism, have been recorded on video. Their images are already out there. They're, they know people, they'll have friends, maybe they'll have enemies who will know who they are, and we're fully expecting people will come forward to identify people responsible. Officials at the PNE estimate the damage is in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. The graduating class of Metro Vancouver's latest crime fighters is set to hit the streets. Meet Porter, Nugget, Nuke, Nolan, Norad, Neon, Neon, and Nose. The seven <laughs> German Shepherds and their handlers represent one of the largest deployments of police service dog teams in the region in years. In an average year, members of the Integrated Police Dog Service will respond to more than 10,000 calls. That includes searches for missing people and criminal evidence, as well as apprehending suspects. Grads will be drafted to police forces in Bridge Meadows, Surrey, Chilliwack, Coquitlam, West Vancouver, and Abbotsford. Now in Health Matters, radiologists in this province are the latest group to write to Health Minister Adrian Dix warning of the dire consequences for thousands of patients waiting for tests. They fear a possible tsunami of cancer cases might be coming because of delayed access to imaging that helps diagnose patients. As Kylie Stanton reports, they're hoping to work with the government to find a solution before it's too late. Come on forward, first of all. This is often one of the first stops on the journey to a diagnosis. Medical imaging saves lives and helps prevent diseases from progressing. A little breath in. That is, if patients are able to access the tests in time. There are hundreds of thousands of patients waiting for medical imaging. Because of these delays, a lot of 
conditions, including cancer, are presenting later. In a letter addressed to the province's health minister, the BC Radiological Society outlines four key areas it says need to be urgently addressed, including training more medical imaging technologists, upgrading equipment, reducing wait times for breast imaging, and emergency funding for community imaging clinics. When they call the office and they hear when our bookings are, we, we actually recommend that they try to find somewhere else to do it. Patients are being forced to wait three months for biopsy appointments following their mammograms. The psychological impacts are one thing, the physical are another. Of course, they're worrying the whole time, you know, is that cancer spreading to my lymph nodes? Is it going to other parts of my body? And there are some high grade, meaning rapidly growing cancers, where a couple of months can make a difference. This is the second letter the health minister has received in as many weeks. Specialists recently sounded the alarm, estimating one million patients are waiting on appointments. And while he says he recognizes the challenges being faced, there have also been some major successes. First, we need to acknowledge we've gone from one of the worst in the country to one of the best. And secondly, we have to say, can we do better? And of course we can. The Radiological Society says it's more than willing to collaborate with the health minister to develop specific solutions, but like getting a medical diagnosis, the sooner the better. If the situation continues, there's going to be even more burnout and the patients are going to be the ones who suffer. Kylie Stanton, Global News. Still to come, James Bond's famous car perfected. I can see the light at the end of the tunnel, so it does feel good. A BC man unveils his modern reproduction of Bond's iconic Aston Martin. How long he's been working on it later. Plus, when Ryan Reynolds asks a favor, how could anyone, even Hugh Jackman, say no? Deadpool and terrifying. Three details but we did have one idea. Just ahead. Hey, Hugh, you want to play Wolverine one more time? On the story. Yeah, sure, Ryan. When BC needs to connect, BC turns to the source that brings us together. Global News. Connect. Fiona is likely to go down as the most expensive natural disaster in history for Canada's Atlantic provinces. The cost mainly shouldered by homeowners and governments. And as Global's Anne Gaviola explains, insurance, uh, insurance against rare but catastrophic storm surges is hard to come by. Early estimates peg the damage brought on by Fiona at 300 to 700 million dollars, the most expensive natural disaster in Atlantic Canada by a long shot. The Insurance Bureau of Canada's Amanda Dean spoke to Global News from her home in Halifax, which lost power. From Pictou through to Cape Breton and Nova Scotia, the entire province of PEI, parts of, of New Brunswick and absolutely the west coast of Newfoundland in addition to parts of Quebec. This is pretty widespread, so I think we can expect um, some impressive numbers coming out of this event. Insurance covering homes, businesses and vehicles from wind damage is standard, but protection from storm surges are optional or, depending on the insurer, not offered. 40, 50 foot waves and, you know, millions of pounds of water pushing up against your house, it hasn't got a chance. It was the perfect culmination of horrible things to happen all at once. If you need to make a claim, contact your insurance company or representative as soon as you're able. Document the damage by taking notes and photos and save receipts related to emergency accommodation and repairs. 
Given the sheer volume of claims expected, customers may be in for a long wait before they see financial relief from insurers or government. Given the, the catastrophe, uh, insurance companies, I'm sure, are going to be prioritizing um, these claims as they come in based on damage. The final tally of this devastation will increase based on how long it takes for people and businesses to rebuild and get back on their feet. Many homeowners and businesses will pay out of pocket in the interim or over time. Framing these events as once in a lifetime is ignoring the trend. I think uh, global warming has got a lot to do with damage in what's coming. Uh, we had temperatures this year reaching 30 odd degrees that we never get. Insurance costs show extreme weather events are more frequent, meaning premiums will continue to rise across the board. Home insurance claims have been increased in Canada and are, and are now averaging about $2.2 billion a year in claims alone. Um, when we think about 20, 30 years ago, we were talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars. Anne Gaviola, Global News, Toronto. Times they are changing for sure. And uh, yeah, climate change is of huge interest to Christy Gordon, uh, who's also keeping, uh, keeping an eye on the, on the temperature as well. And lots of summer weather still to come, it looks like. Which is so fantastic for everyone. But, you know, when you talk about climate change, we're definitely concerned about this period of drought that we're dealing with. This could be an impact from climate change. Absolutely. That's what uh, experts have always been saying. You get prolonged periods of rain, then prolonged periods of dry weather. And that's what we're experiencing. Uh, I have some numbers to show you. We likely broke, broke a dozen records again today. Over the last two days, more than 40 across the province. Uh, we're still tallying the numbers. We don't have any official ones, but I'll show you how hot it got. But first, you likely saw the today or even behind me air quality health index plummeted today to a moderate risk uh, we are expecting improvement tomorrow though as the system pushes in tomorrow will feel more like fall and I'll show you that but first 29 degrees in Lytton and Merritt today 28 in Kamloops Ashcroft these are summer like conditions where we're talking about a good 8 to 10 degrees above seasonal for this time of year and out through the Fraser Valley with the Humanex feeling like 30 even near the water feeling like 25 well above seasonal so so temperatures are going to drop as this system drives in. It's not going to bring a lot of moisture, though. We're talking about a couple of millimeters, and that's about it. And the bulk of it will be in the morning for the lower mainland. Still a chance of showers in the afternoon, and we may even see some breaks as we head to, throughout the day. But that's about it. Nonetheless, bringing cooler conditions and a more fall-like feel to our area. But it won't last long. It looks like summer is holding on strong. So showers in the forecast with a high of only 18 for our day tomorrow. That's still above seasonal by a degree tomorrow transitioning out of it though Thursday and we've got plenty of sunshine still on the way perfect timing for the weekend tonight's central windows weather window coming to you from Vancouver Island this is Stella Lake thank you to Paul Myers for that one thanks Christy you, you want to say it Stella streetcar named desire of course <laughs> Uh, all right, what do we got now? Yes, well, we have a Ryan Reynolds sighting, sort of. Ah, uh, yes. Fans of Marvel superhero movies are abuzz tonight with an announcement from Ryan Reynolds about the third Deadpool movie. We need to stay true to the character, uh, find new depth, new motivation, new meaning, and I have nothing. In a new video, Reynolds talks about his frustration and failure to come up with any new ideas for Deadpool 3, but then... Terrifying. With the help of a special cameo appearance, he drops a huge surprise. But we did have one idea. Hey, Hugh, you want to play Wolverine one more time? Yeah, sure, Ryan. 
Deadpool 3 will bring back Hugh Jackman's Wolverine, the role he allegedly played for the last time in 2017. The video does reveal one other detail. Fans will have to wait a while. Deadpool 3 won't be open until September of 2024. Pretty cool. I haven't seen the first two yet. <laughs> Get on it. Well, you got until 2024 to see them. That's, yep. that's time. Then you'll be fully caught up. There's enough time. Yeah. Uh, what's coming up for you, Squire? Well, um... The Canucks are uh, losing guys at training camp. Uh, we talked about Brock Besser. Now Ilya Mikheyev is out on a week-to-week -week basis. Mm. They're never very specific about these things, but week-to-week -week never sounds good. We'll uh, hear from the coach about that. Canada played Uruguay today in uh, friendly soccer. They were okay, the Canadians, but Uruguay was better. All right, thanks, Squire. Also tonight, 007 would be impressed. The homage to James Bond built in a BC garage later. All right, Squire is here now with a look at sports and the Canucks trials and tribulations already. Yes, I know. We haven't started playing games for real yet. Uh, Bruce Boudreau is not one of those coaches who runs training camp like a Marine boot camp. But he has seen the injury bug chomp down on guys who are supposed to start the regular season in Vancouver. Brock Besser had to get surgery on his hand. We told you that yesterday. Ilya Mikheyev suffered an injury on Sunday in the game against Calgary, and he's going to be out a while according to the coach. So what do you want to know? Mikheyev. Mikheyev has a lower body injury and it'll be week to week. And what more can you tell us about Brock and, and sort of the nature of how that happened? Nobody knows how it happened, but um, he'll start skating with us in a couple days. Maybe even as close as tomorrow. That's about the only good news on the Canucks injury front. Brock Besser expected to miss the next three to four weeks after undergoing hand surgery for a mysterious injury that occurred during the final day of training camp up on Whistler on Saturday. His uh, part of his body got sore and he went out and he found out that he had to have surgery. So curious surprises anybody that it we were watching and we said what happened there and because he was shaking his hand and so I mean well we don't know what happened. Those injury woes elevating Nils Hoaglander onto Elias Pettersson's line alongside Andre Kuzmenko. For Hoaglander, riding shotgun with Pettersson is a reward for his training camp effort where he was not only the fittest Canuck, but also, according to their coach, one of the best players at camp. Here's a genuine opportunity for a guy who's kind of teased of his potential. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean that's the way I would look at it if I were him. You know, I mean, uh, for a lot of these guys that were sort of on the bubble of the top six, top nine forward is, here, I've got my chance now. I'm going to make the best of it. So, I mean, we'll, we'll see what everybody's made of. Yeah, I don't know what I'm going to say. I know, I know what I'm, I can, and I want to show them what I can too. I mean, I didn't play the whole season last year, and I come to the camp and ready to go. So, yeah. Obviously, when you don't have two of your top six guys there, you're shuffling the lines a bit. but. Well, it's one great reason to have some depth. Injuries are going to happen. That's the nature of the beast. So, I mean, uh, uh, when one guy goes down, another guy's got to step up. If, the, if, they're, um, if, if they're good enough, they'll, 
make it tough on anybody that returns. That's the way I would look at it if I was a player. What a great opportunity. Even defenseman Travis Dermott had to be helped off the ice at practice today. It might not be serious, though, according to Bruce Boudreaux. He looked like he got hit there and just feeling a little woozy. And, you know, we just said, okay, if you're feeling a little woozy, you just take the rest of the day off. We don't need anybody else getting hurt. Canada's men's soccer team got a real taste of what life will be like at the World Cup this morning when Canada had to play Uruguay. Now, Canada had its chances to score. It lost 2-0. Uruguay is ranked 13th in the world. Canada is 38th. The Canadians are fast, but Uruguay looked a little bit quicker when it needed to be. Canadian players now separate again. They go back to their club teams. They won't play together, together make that until the final World Cup warm-up game, which will be against Japan on November 17th. So let's see how things went today for Milan Borian. Milan Borian and the Canadians, and this was the first goal off a free kick. Nicolas de la Cruz, that is a nice Lee taken free kick. Borian a little bit surprised there, one nothing in the sixth minute. Then, Luis Suarez. Didn't bite anybody today, that's good. Uh, Darwin Nunez gets up and puts this one home. The man from Liverpool makes it 2 nothing for the guys from South America in light blue. Canada had chances. Now Kyle Laren here just needed to be a slight bit faster. By the time he shoots, there's a defender blocking it. Maybe against some of the CONCACAF teams, you can be at that speed, but not against teams like this. Another chance for Canada. This one, Jonathan David. Great shot, but a great save, too. Sergio Rochette gets across and stops this one. So Canada goes down 2-0. And now we wait until November to see these guys again. Canada's women's basketball team against Mali at the, uh, the World Cup. Langley's Aislinn Koenig out there. Three-pointer. And then the ace will get another three-pointer. She had 11 points in 15 minutes. Canada won this game rather easily. And in the quarterfinals, Canada will take on Puerto Rico. Aaron Judge has been stuck at 60 home runs for six games. He's in Toronto right now. Blue Jays, Yankees, George Springer. He can hit a home run. Dead center, no less. Over the 400-foot sign. So it's... 1-0 for Toronto in the first. Glaber Torres will score Aaron Judge. This makes it 2-1 in the third. Same combination two innings later. Torres, Judge scores. With the dirty uniform. Can he hit a home run? Eighth inning Aaron Judge at the plate. I kind of secretly think all Blue Jay fans want to see him hit number 61 in front of them, but he doesn't. He has walked four times in this game, and it's 5-2 New York in the eighth inning. There you go. How much is that ball going to be worth? All right, thanks, Squire. Up next, a BC man builds a car James Bond would love with everything Agent 007 could ever need. This is BC with Jay Durant is brought to you in part by Van Cam Freightways. BC owned and operated for 75 years.
Jordan Armstrong is here right now with a preview of what's coming up on Global News at 11 tonight. Jordan? Chris, more tonight on what has been a deadly day on southern B.C. roads. As reported earlier, three people are dead after three separate incidents today. Grace Key will have an update at 11. Plus, what police are saying about the suspicious death of a 72-year-old woman in Enderby, north of Vernon. Investigators have been at this home on Cliffview Lane since Sunday. Also, because we recognize the news has been rather heavy today, you will meet Buddy. While many dogs like to swim, Buddy takes it a step further. He likes to go diving in Okanagan Lake. And we'll have the full tale tonight at 11, Chris. <laughs> Can't wait to meet Buddy. All right. Thanks very much, Jordan. Well, a B.C. man has painstakingly recreated one of the most iconic cars in movie history. The one James Bond drove in Goldfinger and other films. The original Aston Martin DB5 was once displayed at a Vancouver restaurant back in the 1980s. And as Jay Durant shows us on This is B.C., that was the inspiration for a young boy who grew up to build his own even better version. <laughs> Many consider it the most iconic car of all time, James Bond's Aston Martin DB5. I modified the front to have the oil. And Olivier Spielborgs has built one from scratch, complete with all the working gadgets, from the Gatling guns at the front. That's just in no time to die. The smoke screen coming out the back. Most people think I'm crazy to spend that much time and and uh, the amount of work, you know, probably, I don't know, six, 7,000 hours. This is the car that was in Goldfinger and Thunderball. He was inspired by the Bond car that used to be displayed at Frank Baker's, the Attic Restaurant in West Vancouver, where his parents would take him as a kid. This is one of the original promotional cars used for the Bond franchise. What a thrill this is going to be! Woo! It was a big deal. It was on the news. It was... It was in the papers. It, it was like, you know, a celebrity had come into Vancouver. You'll be using this Aston Martin DB5. Frank Baker's old car is now at a museum in the Netherlands, and Spielberg's tracked it down so he could see it up close one more time after all these years. I think the lady in there thought I was pretty weird because I was hanging around the one car for probably most of the day taking photos. This is the tire slasher. With the support of family and friends, his longtime passion project is nearing the end. Spielberg started this in 2013. After first building a prototype, the finished running model is almost complete. Another gadget that I gotta work on that I'm gonna do over the winter is the oil sprayer. Once word starts getting out, there could be a lot of calls coming in from car shows hoping to book a spot for his prize ride. I love the fact that everything works on this. And then maybe Olivier might start thinking about his next big project. I actually get my satisfaction from reaction. So when I build stuff and somebody just loves it or, you know, goes crazy over it and they enjoy it, that's, that's my paycheck. Jay Durant, Global News. And if you know someone who has a great story to tell or something unique to BC, just email your ideas to Jay at thisisbc at globalnews.ca. It has an ejector seat. I just want to put that out there. It's yeah. an, but it doesn't actually eject. It, Which is probably good. It's probably good. It vibrates. You'd hate to hit that button wrong. It. It, it vibrates instead. Yeah. So like a massage chair? It's like a, well, <laughs> maybe. Use it that's that's very 21st century. Just scary. I mean, you? James Bond could probably use a little <laughs> massage with all the fighting he does. Yep. Yeah, it's going to drop little mines out the back and everything. It's just such a cool little car. I can't wait to see it. <laughs> would you it get a distracted right. driving ticket? Like I would bet. <laughs>
<laughs> Would you get a ticket if you accidentally ejected yourself out of the car? <laughs> or vibrated yourself as it as it were with this car. Okay, this is a weird or, conversation. It's starting to go or off the rails. Or fell asleep because of the massage. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is a good good chance of that happening too. All right, last word on weather and uh, and who knows, maybe more records will fall, Christy. Yeah, so I'm anticipating maybe a dozen records again today. We'll watch to see how the, the numbers tally up. But hazy out there, as you can see, nice sunset still. Tomorrow, though, we are expecting a bit of improvement from this haze, though, and uh, a few showers. All right, wait for those. That'll be refreshing when it happens. Thanks very much for watching, everyone. Have a great night. Good night, all.